dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Steph, Steph, are you there? I can't really do today. I'm pretty sick. Oh, what? Why is that? I'm just, I'm just, I just, I'm really sick, and I'm just kidding. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we'll start today. Is that the the Gene Uh, Wilder School of Podcasting? The the Gene Wilder School of Podcasting. Welcome then to uh, musical the movie the podcast. We're back, baby. We're back. I was going to do an alternate bit that was me aggressively sniffing into the microphone. And I thought what you were saying was like, oh, I can't do it. I'm sick. I've had a hyperglycemic (laughs) coma because of all the chocolate. What's the aggressive sniffing? Is that that, that coming through? No, I'm just smelling all the chocolate. Oh, I see. Okay. It's so so fragrant, this movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Willy Wonka was a big snuff head, but that's neither here nor there. Steph, let's talk really briefly about what what's what's been up with the podcast, just real quick. Yeah, tell me uh, about it, Sud. Yeah, I'll I'll will <laughs> say it all. We haven't covered that movie, Steph. You know. That. <laughs> um. Uh, so, uh, and it's just some weird, some heavy stuff. Um. And and but let's just get it out of the way because everyone's fine except for the people who are dead. Um. But uh, <laughs> uh basically, what happened is that <laughs> right after recording our last episode uh, about Hedwig and the Angry Inch, my dad died. And so that's why there was a delay in getting that episode out. Uh, and then um, as we were set to record this next episode um, a couple weeks ago, uh, my aunt died. And that changed around my whole travel schedule. And so we had to... That's why the last episode was a week late. That's why this episode is a week late. No one cares, but I just want to throw it all out there. So it's on the record forever stuff this has to be on the recorded (laughs) podcast record forever it's on the record that we are entirely committed to exploring and discussing every musical movie that has ever been produced in any definition Mm -hmm. of musical and uh we just want it known that it's it's not our commitment to sparkle motion that has (laughs) caused the delay in this podcast it was just it was a heavy week for a Fleming family it is, as I said on, on the sort of um, note that I put in the last episode, some life happened. Some life happened to me, or, or I guess the opposite of that happened to me <laughs> uh, last week, and that's that's uh, why everything's been sort of shuffled. But we're trying to get back on track here, and we're doing it with just one of my favorite movies of all time, Steph. I do think that this is maybe the most, like, easy, magical return into talking about music- movie musicals that we could possibly have done. What a what Absolutely. a wonderful coincidence. This might be the first movie that we've watched for the podcast that we watched on my DVD copy of it. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> this is like, it's weirdly not, Willy Wonka is weirdly not available. It's like Spectrum subscription only, but it's not even clear like where that is. And then you have to rent it. And then, um, you know, I don't, I don't know why it's not on Max because it's clearly owned by. So we'll There's get into all this later, but it, this. it 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 is owned by the Warner Brothers company, and um, like I and I know that they like pull stuff on and off all that. Like the, you know how like you can tell if Disney owns something because it's on Disney Plus, right? You're mm-hmm. like, oh, X Men, it's on Disney mm-hmm. Plus, so they own that. But like you can't always do that with Max because Warner Brothers Discovery is just like taking stuff on and off. You don't know mm-hmm. what's where. And so the way that I think about does Warner Brothers own something is I think about who was 
in the crowd scenes in Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, right? <laughs> and when I picture those crowd scenes, when they're playing basketball at the end in Space Jam 2, I can see Voldemort, uh, I can see the Wicked Witch of the West, and I can see Willy Wonka standing there with a purple hat. And that's how I know Warner Brothers owns Willy Wonka. I have a follow-up question. <laughs> yeah, Steph. How many times have you watched the final basketball scene of Space Jam 2 such that you have a burned-in-your-head visual for the Warner Brother properties represented therein? Thank you for your question, Steph. I'll give you a straight answer. Uh, it was once. It was during the pandemic. You <laughs> fell asleep during the movie. I kept watching. Uh, we were so desperate for entertainment during the pandemic that I locked into Space Jam 2. Wow. And I said, oh, I, I'm, I'm noticing every character in the back. Oh, the Clockwork Orange guys are there on the sidelines. That's not a joke. The Clockwork Orange guys are in the background of the basketball <laughs> game in Space Jam 2. It's fucked up. Why? They're rapists. Why are they at this basketball game in a kid's movie? But um, that's how I know that Warner Brothers owns <laughs> a Clockwork Orange. Uh, but so so let's let's get into it, Steph. So what is the story with you and Willy Wonka? Or in short, do you fucks with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Um, hell yeah! I didn't realize really until we rewatched this movie yesterday how this movie is in me because I don't like I don't think of myself as having a particular affinity for this movie like. There, I, I can tell you which of the candies in the opening overture I like the most. It's the little, it's like a little like um, turtle thing. And it's because the way that they are on their conveyor belt, it's like a really satisfying like yeah, step plop, down. Plop, they go, plop, 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 plop off. Plop, plop, yeah. Plop, plop, plop. Yeah, yeah, those ones. Um, but apparently I like know every beat of this movie. Who knew? Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's just like. And I don't, I don't claim it, so I guess it's just sort of like in the soup of um, <laughs> what made me. And also, Joel McHale will be showing some clips from that, <laughs> in so it's it's in the soup in that way too. Yeah. Um, um, what about you? Do you do you fucks with Willy Wonka? Heavy stuff, heavy. Like since I was, I, I don't remember a time where I wasn't watching this movie as a kid. Um, and then I, I think for some reason, when I was in my early twenties, I don't know if it had a. Revival, or if I just got interested in it again because I was working at Hollywood Video at the time and we could only put on kids' movies on Mm. all the TVs Mm -hmm. in the store. And so I would put on Willy Wonka a lot. I bought the DVD. There's a a commentary on it with all five Wonka children together (laughs) in like 2002. (laughs) And I would like listen to that and like, um, but yeah, this is, this is just like, again, it feels like every line of this movie is just like deep in me. Uh, I don't, I don't know why it's so why it's so ingrained but i mean it's just a fascinating movie you watch it when you're a kid it stays in you stuff do you uh, remember the first time you watched it not at all like that that's that's part of it is that it's like it's just always there and like the the wondrous boat ride is something that like i could remember being freaked out by for as long as i've been alive you know what i mean Uh uh-huh 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 so why don't we bring our guests in and talk to them about it i can't wait our first guest is america's favorite supervillain welcome blender blewett what's up what up? Glad to be here. Glad to talk about the death of children. Hell <laughs> know, yeah. Truly. This is like, and we'll get into it, but like, you know, when you watch movies in the 2000s, like Monster House, which is a kid's mm. movie from them, you see like there's credit scenes where everyone is okay. And that's, <laughs> right, yeah. That's you like don't. The thing they had to do, and they don't do they that. They do not give a relief. Even in the book, there's a thing where Charlie looks out of the glass elevator and goes, oh, there's Augustus and, and Veruca and everybody's okay, but they don't do it here. <laughs> 
Uh, we're going to talk to you about your relationship to this movie, but first let me bring in our other guest. He is uh, a comedian, storyteller. He is the uh, co-founder of Planet of the Tapes in Louisville, uh, and just uh, and also one of the hosts of uh, the Big Howl and Possum Radio Hour, whenever that happens. Uh, he is one of the funniest dudes on the planet. It's Chris Vinito. Hi, Chris. Oh, thanks for that sweet intro. Hello. Coming to us from Louisville, Kentucky. Yep, yep, yep. How's the weather down there? Uh, it stinks. okay great and that's been the weather back to you guys in the studio (laughs) uh chris can i I start with you and you tell me so actually we're doing this movie because i asked you um what musicals you you know you're someone with a very um what would you say uh sort of avant-garde tastes right i guess i like weird shit you like weird show be another way to put it you were just introduced on our podcast as a possum (laughs) <laughs> yeah you regularly are but your main comedic character is a possum um and so i was like i want you to bring you know me something that we're not thinking of as a musical for the podcast and you the first thing you said was willy wonka and the chocolate factory yeah so what faves. is your relationship to this movie uh well i'm really picky about musicals and I, I don't really like most of them and like this is one of the few that i really really love um and not only do I like all the songs in it and everything, I just it hits a lot of psychological notes for me. Like it just, uh, I was I was a good boy, I was a good kid, and I always wanted the teachers to like me. I wanted I wanted the teacher after class to be like, "These kids are fucking idiots, right?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, they are." <laughs> <laughs> like I fantasized about that, yeah. like just staying after and having the teacher like you the most. Uh, so like the fact that Charlie has that experience at the end of it. All the all bad deeds are punished, <laughs> except for the yeah. fizzy lifting rings. Mm-hmm. We're gonna forget about that. <laughs> that yeah, it just like hits like deep psychological things for me. I guess. Chris, can you talk about being wild? Mm, yeah, <laughs> in your family and what that meant. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was really I was raised really sheltered, and my mom wouldn't let us have friends over unless they. She would be like all right, can I have Joey over? And she'd be like, is Joey wild? <laughs> and I, I'd be like, uh, and I, no. And I, sometimes you'd lie about it and have him over anyway. And then they would do something inevitably to reveal themselves as indeed wild. <laughs> <laughs> and she would be like, you knew he was wild and he didn't tell me. You know, like yeah. it would be a whole thing. See, and this is a movie where little Charlie Vinito goes in with four <laughs> wild children. Yes. And, and I think that's why it speaks to you. Yeah. <laughs> they're all outed as being wild. <laughs> uh, Blender, that's... what about you? What, what, sorry, go ahead. Wait, I was just going to say, that's a great segue into, we were talking about like, okay, we want to do Willy Wonka. Who should we, who should we get in there too? And we've seen Blender perform a couple times. And what I would just say is like... Just Blender goes by their own damn rules. <laughs> and Aww. I feel like that's a very Willy Wonka spirit. And that's sort of how we came about like, oh, like maybe we'll pitch this to Blender. But I'm really <laughs> curious about what your relationship is. Like, I, I just, am, I'd love to hear it. It's it's uh, kind of what Andy was saying. I'm like, I don't know. But my yeah. suspicion is I love it because I feel like I've <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think I've ever actively sought out watching the movie, but I've watched mm-hmm. it like five or six times. I know yeah. I have. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that was just like always on some channel, like when you're like in in school or whatever, you get home and it's like, oh, shit, Willy Wonka's on. I guess I'll watch this while right. I wait for anime or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I like it. I think Willy Wonka is such a great character. 
I think he's the person who I was always like, that, that he's fascinating. Yeah, because he is the villain of the movie. Yeah, right? Oh, 100%. And like, you very rarely, I feel like a lot of people, especially in like comic book movies these days, are like trying to do, how can we make a movie about a villain and make it interesting? And it's like, well, you yeah. just make them the actual villain, you weirdos. So I'm trying to make him like yeah. an anti-hero all of a sudden. Yeah. I would love to see Black Adam meets Willy Wonka. I mean, they're both owned by WB. So. True. Um, well, uh, what if I jump into sort of the history, the making of this movie, and uh, and you guys can jump in at any time. Um, but I sort sort of have some very what I I found some very interesting information about the development of this movie. Mm. Um, so it starts with Mel Stewart's ten year old daughter who reads the Raw Doll book, and she asks her father, director Mel Stewart, to make a movie out of it. He shows it to his producing partner David Whopper, who happens to be in the midst of talks with the Quaker Oats Company <laughs> regarding a vehicle to introduce a new candy bar from its Chicago based Breaker Confection subsidiary, since renamed the Willy Wonka Candy Company and sold to nestle wow right away yeah wow. right away big money involved <laughs> can we talk oh, about oh, how money. that's like the same oh, thing money. as someone's kid reading like diary of a wimpy kid and being like <laughs> dad you gotta make this movie and then like you know ben platt's dad is like yeah go ahead it'd be like that if also the haynes company was like we want to make wimpy kid underwear <laughs> 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 this movie's gonna be the vehicle for it. Sure. Yeah. I feel like every now and then I learn that Chicago has such history in almost like yeah. every single thing. <laughs> Apparently we were the original home of Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to us. Um, so the producer persuades the company, the Quaker Oats Company, which had no experience in the film industry, to buy the rights to the book and finance the picture for the purpose of promoting a new Quaker Oats Wonka bar. So it like fits into their marketing budget, basically. Yeah. Damn. Like this is this is the original product integration, this movie basically. <laughs> Synergy, this, this baby. Is, yeah, <laughs> this movie is a backdoor pilot for a candy bar. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have always uh, wondered because you know there's like the actual Wonka candy, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know yeah. anyone who actually eats it other than right. like I've the never nerds. Known, like, yeah, when you're a kid, you have like the everlasting gobstopper and the nerds, yeah. you know. But like, you always wonder. Like, I never knew like where that company came from, and apparently hey, it started from the Quaker Oats wow. company. Side note that was sparked by rewatching this movie was anyone else always really disappointed that the real life everlasting gobstoppers were not shaped like the ones well, in geometric. the movie? Yeah, yeah, I was like looking for that, and instead it's just like a little jawbreaker. Anyway, it's yeah, funny. That's I had the opposite cowardly thing. Move. Yeah, yeah, it's cowardly. Exactly. It's the cowardly. But I, I had the opposite thing where I was watching the movie yesterday and I was like, oh, that would be so uncomfortable on my palate. Mm. <laughs> Just be poking. My main intrusive thought was always that like chocolate river had to taste disgusting. There's like oh, yeah. no so thin. Yes. It had to be the, so gross. The guy who uh, played Augustus, they asked him what it, what it was like and he said, dirty, stinking water. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish he had yelled that when he actually got in. I know. Dirty, stinking vata! Yeah, the, the Chocolate River looked so thin and disgusting. Yeah, like, I was like, there's we, no way it tastes good. That was, that was like the first thing I said yesterday to Steph when we were watching. I was like, do you think they were disappointed when they saw that river? Like, yes. you think they tried to thicken it up and it just looked like shit? <laughs> like, you know, when you're like, you know, like you're making a gravy on the stove and it's just yeah. like, oh, this isn't I mean, happening. Like, put some cornstarch in here. I know, put a little bit of flour in there or something. Yeah, do a slurry. 
Stick yeah. it up. Um, <laughs> so they agree that Rod Dahl is going to write the screenplay, and he's credited for it, but he never delivers a completed screenplay at the mm. start of production, just like an outline. And so then they end up bringing in this guy, David Seltzer, to do a rewrite, and uh, and Rod Dahl is he's pissed about it and he leaves even though he never actually delivers a finished script um uh so this guy seltzer uh the producer agrees to produce his next film if he'll do a, a draft of this for and without credit uh because they need to maintain the credibility of having rob daw's name attached mm-hmm. to it still mm-hmm. and so that's why it's still credited as being written to rob daw to this day wow uh so the producer decides with Stuart that the film would be a musical, and he approaches uh, composers Richard Rogers. He starts at Richard Rogers with Rogers and Hammerstein. Hey, which is you gotta, you gotta swing. You gotta, Shoot you your gotta, shot. you can't get it if you don't ask. Hey, man, we got the Quaker Oats Company. Do you want to write some songs for it? <laughs> um, Roger and Hammerstein. You can get in on the ground floor of Quaker production. He next goes to Henry Mancini, who also declines. Uh, I mean, this is a dude who wrote a theme song about a panther, and you can't get him to be in your chocolate movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but so they, they secured the songwriting team Leslie Brick. I've never actually said this out loud. Leslie Brickos mm. and Anthony Newley. Uh, they are the team behind the hit song Goldfinger from the movie Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Oh, shit. Yeah, they wrote uh, the Goldfinger for Shirley Bassey and, and Brickus. Leslie Brickus would go on to write You Only Live Twice, uh, the Nancy Sinatra song that's sampled by Robbie Williams in Millennium. Oh, um, also, and, two of my favorite Bond songs. Oh wait! And well, then, oh no, I think you're gonna say. Well, Berkeus also writes one of he writes the song that is the weirdest scene in any superhero movie, and it is "Can You Read My Mind" from Superman 1978, which is the scene where Superman is flying with Lois, and Lois has this internal monologue, like just sort of re- real reverby. It just seems like, "Can you read my mind?" <laughs> uh, he writes that. Wait, what were you going to say? That was that? not what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that I read that Roald Dahl uh, did write two movie scripts like in his career, and one of them was the script for You Only Live Twice, which is just a fun little Which is connection. wild. Which is, A, Ooh. one of the worst Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> like the- it seems like he, they made the right... The right column of yeah, taking that Yeah, it's the movie away. where six six foot eight Sean Connery goes to Japan and has to pretend to be Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Look. He, he just told us what he was about. <laughs> yeah. Well, he writes Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, too. So the two movies he writes are both based on, based on Ian Fleming novels. Damn. My uncle. Well, um, he inspired the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox, so he can do no wrong as far as that's I'm fair. concerned. That's fair. He, look, he's got, he's got a number of movies out there, and they're... Mostly not that good, but Fantastic Mr. Fox is good. James and the Giant Peach is okay, and this one's great. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Is it still good? I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> so okay, in theaters. I also happen to know that you have not seen Matilda. And like, that's true. I have not seen Matilda this either. Conversation version. after that, you haven't yeah. seen Matilda, I the know. cousin of Dang. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be covering the musical on the podcast eventually, but okay. and then maybe I'll see it then. But. Bring up that Ben Shapiro fact. Okay, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Making a note now. Um, so before Gene Wilder is cast as Willy Wonka, the producers consider Fred Astaire, Joel Grey, and some other people I haven't heard of. Uh, Spike Milligan is Rob Dawes' choice, and Peter Sellers reportedly begged Daw for the role, which is funny. Like, Rob Daw does not have final casting decision so you're mm. you're talking to the wrong person peter sellers um he's barking up the wrong chocolate tree <laughs> <laughs> all six members of monty python express interest in blaine wonka uh but at the time they were deemed not famous enough for an international audience 
Uh, Joel Gray was the frontrunner, but the director, Mel Stewart, said he wasn't physically imposing enough at 5'5", five, five, which is funny because you, when you see Cabaret, Joel Gray is, like, so imposing to me, even though he's 5'5". Five, five. Like, mm-hmm. he just has that way mm-hmm. of moving, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, like, his little piercing eyes. Fred Astaire wanted it, but they think he was too old. He was 72 at the time. Um, but when Wilder comes in and, and uh, auditions, the the quote from uh, Whopper is the role fit him tighter than one of Jacques Cousteau's wetsuits. God damn. And so he goes out in the, in the hallway, or the director, Mel Stewart, goes out in the hallway after Gene Wilder and offers him the part right away. Uh, Whopper is mad because they haven't negotiated a fee yet and he wants to be able to like hardball him. But instead he's like, we want, it has to be you. Mel Stewart's <laughs> like, it has to be you. You have to be Wonka. Mm. And Gene Wilder says, okay, I'll do it if and only if I can do a thing where I walk out limping and everyone thinks I'm infirm and then I do a big flip and everyone knows that I'm actually like spry. And he's like, you're only going to do the part. Like if I don't let you do this, you're going to say no to the part. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And he says, why? And Gene Wilder says, because from that moment on, no one will know if Waka is telling the truth or lying at all times. Wow. And I think that, I think that plays. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a genius. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. They don't make liars uh, like they used to anymore. <laughs> you know something I was thinking about too, and we were uh, when we were watching this. How how much of this movie does that roll doll thing of like being from a kid's perspective in terms of like mm. thought processes and like how kids perceive adults to be, and that is like fully part of how a kid perceives an, an adult to be like you don't know when they're lying to you but it is gonna happen like you are you are on the lookout for it yeah, yeah. that's a really good point i never thought about that all uh all betrayals are forgiven if you can do a backflip that's awesome like, <laughs> you gotta learn that early yeah and Gene Wilder is like very hands on with the costume. He's like about the he's like has opinions on the color and cut of the jacket, what type of trousers. Mm-hmm. He's he's like, hey, that he's he literally he says, hey, this hat's great, but let's make it two inches shorter. I think that would really make it pop. Like Gene Wilder is mm-hmm. very hands on with costumes. Uh, they film in Munich. Did you guys know that? Because like, because no. I want to talk about that. To me, the, this movie always feels very British. It feels like a British uh-huh. movie to me. But the directors are uh, like the only person who's British in the production, besides some of the actors, are is uh, the uh, uh, is Rob Dahl, really. But like the 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 directors are American. Like, but yet every like even Charlie's teacher is very British. Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why there's so many British people in this movie and why this movie feels so British. Well, also, like, just the name Willy Wonka sounds British in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. It just looks yeah. very European. Like, everything yeah. that mm-hmm. they found, like, this, like, very iconically German town to film in. <laughs> I just want to shout out our friend Sean Keller, who played uh, Alan Rickman. We did the roast of 2016 uh, at Character Assassination. That was the year that all the celebrities finally died, uh, including Gene Wilder and Alan Rickman. And so they're both on that roast. And Sean Keller plays Alan Rickman. And he gets to he gets to uh, Kent, who's playing Gene Wilder, friend of the show, Kent Carney. And he says, I have no jokes for you. So instead, I will just say your name three times. And in the perfect Alan Rickman voice, he just goes, really Wonka, really Wonka, really so it's, it's very satisfying to say that in a British accent. I do want to say that. Also, no one think I'm an idiot for this statement. I know where the the fucking cocoa plant is from. I just <laughs> I've always associated chocolate with Germans. I don't know why. That's fair. I mean, the you your German chocolate cake. Yeah, uh, Bavarian know. chocolate. That's in Germany. This is shot in Bavaria. Yeah. See, 
Yeah. I'm not dumb. Yeah. You're not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's insightful, actually. Yeah. So this, let's yes. see. This is, so the, the uh, Chocolate Factory is a gas works building in Munich. Um, oh. Also, Bob Fosse is coming on the set every afternoon to complain because they're going long and it's stopping him from shooting cabaret on the same stage, which Joel Grey is Oh, no. Does Bob Fosse have to do synchronized <laughs> snapping fingers? <laughs> Whatever will we do. He comes in complaining with a full chorus line behind him. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, snapping. In like tight formation. <laughs> Dramatic point. It's released June 30th, 1971. It's not a big success. It, it earns $4 million worldwide on a budget of $3 million. Um, That's so true it, for a lot of really good old movies. They like. Yeah. I feel like you look back and you're like, actually, none of those movies were successful when they came out. Or yeah. even like had great critic reviews. And like it, and it used to be, and this is like, I, I don't think you can do this anymore. But like, it used to be that like something could get popular on TV, like yeah. Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. uh, bombed in theaters and then got popular being played on TV. And I think Willy Wonka is a similar type story because mm-hmm. after it is going to bomb, like it's going to remain in obscurity, and the distribution rights are going to lapse in 1977. And Paramount, who who wait, you're the telling movie me the that Quaker let them sons of bitches go. <laughs> Not Quaker. Paramount lets them lapse, and Quaker gets them back. And uh, then Quaker, Quaker, like they default to Quaker, like the rights to the movie default to the Quaker Oats company. I can't say that enough. <laughs> um, and so Quaker Oats sells the rights to Warner Brothers for five hundred thousand dollars. And wow. like just to put that in perspective, in 1996, there's a theatrical re-release of this movie that's that makes twenty one million dollars. Whoa. And so they wow. more than make their money back for the five hundred thousand that they spent to own this movie. Damn. Not to mention sticking them in Space Jam Two and whatever that got them, you know. <laughs> um, Say crazy. what you will it's... about oats. Once you get them wet, they're very sticky. It's really true. It's <laughs> a business. There's not enough oats and candy, you know. <laughs> um, so it's nominated for. I do just want to mention it's nominated for an Oscar for best music, which was just sort of the only they had a category back then for best music sort of original song score was the category. It's not a category that exists anymore. Um, but it is nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, I support that. There's else. great music going on here. Yeah, there is. Okay, just a couple last things I want to say before we sort of get into the movie as a whole. But uh, for the promotion before it's released, the the film uh, got advanced publicity through TV commercials, which offered a Willy Wonka candy factory kit for sending $1 and two seals from boxes of Quaker cereals such as King Vitaman, Life, and any of the Cap'n Crunch brands. Did you say King Vitaman? I've yeah, never heard I've never, it pronounced I've never Vitaman. heard of that. Well, I, it's, pre- it's spelled Vitaman. Oh, like, is it? Tell- that's how vitamin is spelled, but I've, it's like I'm gonna go take my vitamins. Because like, oh, but no, vitamin is not vitamin is spelled with an I, but the it cereal is. is spelled like A with a like vitamin. Yeah, this is blowing my mind. <laughs> I'd never even heard of the cereal until right now. If I'm being I always honest. thought it was just a clunky name for a cereal, like King Vitamin. It's just cl- it's, it's as clunky well, as Mike TV. Also, like when you think of the taste of vitamins, it's not something you want from your cereal, <laughs> right? you know? mm-hmm. unless they're Flintstone type. Mm. Unless you're, uh, you're gonna go fight for America's life or something, <laughs> yeah. Dahl disowns the movie. He he thinks the music is saccharine and sappy and sentimental. He like a lot of what they add. I think is the comedy that's in the first half of this movie. All the little comedy scenes that are like vignettes of like your husband's been kidnapped. All they want is your case of Wonka bars, and the woman's like, "How long will they give me to think about it?" And it's like <laughs> I love that stuff. I love all that stuff, and I think Raw Dahl hates it. 
That's insane to me because all of that, like, spiritually feels so Roald Dahl to me. Like, mm. w- that particular sequence in the movie, like, felt like I was reading The Witches or Matilda yeah. or something. Maybe he's just mad because he didn't come up with it first. Maybe. Mm, professional jealousy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I do feel like those scenes are, like, what pushes this movie past sort of fantasy and musical and, and makes mm. it just, like, a straight-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Old... Old comedy is always a little weird for me to wrap my head around because like, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like there's not – I think the biggest thing I've noticed is there's just not a lot of cuts. It all happens in like one actual scene. It doesn't mm-hmm. like go back and forth camera work wise. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. That's just such a weird thing for my brain to understand sometimes. I'm like, oh, this was like real. this is probably really, really funny back in the day. But now I'm so <laughs> used to camera goes to this person, camera goes to this person that it feels weird. Like, the pace of it feels much more live performance because they're taking those, like, big chunk yeah. shots. Yeah. yeah just letting that. everything happen in one frame like yeah. you would if you saw it yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah. I love the scene where uh, the shrink is telling his patient that it's delusional to believe oh in Oh, my dreams. God. <laughs> and then he says that he had a dream about that an angel told him where the whereabouts of the Wonka bar ticket is. And then the doctor, like, shakes his lapels and he's like, tell me where the ticket is. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's beautiful. And all those little vignettes to set up the idea that the adults in this world are just as obsessed with this fucking candy uh-huh. as yeah. the kids uh-huh. are. And that is so funny and silly. I love it. My favorite one is the one that the guy who has made a computer to find out the location <laughs> of the last golden uh-huh. ticket. And he's and the computer is like, that can't tell you that would be cheating. He's like, I'm telling the computer that I'll split the prize if it tells me. And the computer says, what would I do with a lifetime supply of chocolate? And the guy says, I am now telling the computer exactly what it could do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. <laughs> That's a joke that still works. We still tell yeah. people to put things up their ass. Yeah. <laughs> also, we still have tech bros who are trying to like use AI to game the system, yeah, the system. Yeah. Shove sure. that up your USB port. <laughs> yeah. Are y'all sneakerheads? I'm not. No. no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, outside the sneaker world's a little like that. It's a bunch, <laughs> of, yeah. bunch of white 15 year olds stealing my Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that's bro. sort of all the all the pre production stuff I have on this movie, but just fascinated and how how I did not know that the Quakers were so deeply involved in this movie. Yeah. I think it's uh, interesting how late in the process it becomes a musical. That like they're sort of like, We wanna make this movie and then they're like, Well, I guess we need like a hook or something to get people mm-hmm. in. Let's throw some songs on it. Yeah. And it's interesting, none of first of all, none of the songs are like what I would call they're they're great songs. None of them are what I would call bangers. None of them are sang by anyone with a great voice besides mm-hmm. maybe, the uh, I'll say it, the worst song in the movie, the original skip track, Cheer Up Charlie. <laughs> um, and, uh, but they're all sung, they're all sort of warbled by adults. There's one song yeah. by a child in this movie and it's I Want It Now. That's um, what I miss about music though. I do miss, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of music these days is like, it's too technically good. Yeah, like I want it to be a little like even like I don't know in a lot of modern musicals they were like they have someone essentially like fix like Russell Crowe's voice and uh what was that one that he was in Les Miserables Les yeah I'm like just let him sing a little ugly don't try to like yeah. force this weird voice with auto tune on it I agree I, yeah I am a big uh, Crow apologist there too I I also think that we should just let people warble yeah. Because, yeah. you know, in the 90s and, like, 80s, they would, like, dub over people all the time. And they would yeah. just, you know. Or, like, you know, you see a Disney movie and they would, like, switch who the singing voice is from the, from the talking mm-hmm, voice. You mm-hmm. know, they don't do that shit anymore. Now it just has to be the person. And it's, like, either it works 
and you know they have a be- they just happen to have a beautiful voice like Halle Bailey yeah. or they just fake it enough like Aquafina <laughs> or like um, uh, what's his name Austin Butler and uh, and then also Rami Malek they like I think they did like they did this thing where they're like okay we used their voice but then we also mixed it with some other people's voice mm-hmm. who sounded better mm-hmm. I was just gonna I say I thought that worked did- a lot better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We talked about that with um, the Eurovision movie. They did that mm. with um, Rachel McAdams, and like it's very successful. It like yeah. reads very well, also reads like a person, but then also it, it also sounds good. You mentioned uh, Cheer Up Charlie, and I have to mention this just because it tickles me. Uh, when I was a kid, whenever I was like in a grumpy mood about something really petty, and my brother didn't si- sister didn't feel it was valid or whatever, they would mock me by going Cheer Up Charlie, <laughs> like sing that song at me just to mock my irritation about stuff <laughs> so i can't every time that scene comes on i'm like Ugh, fuck. i can't believe i watched that this movie before dvd chapter skips existed <laughs> and that i just sat through cheer up charlie all the time when i was a kid you know what i mean um i don't yeah, want to shit too much on that movie but i will I mean, say i don't know the the front part of willy wonka is not anyone's favorite okay yeah let's let's officially move our conversation into like talking about the structure and content of this movie because structurally it is nuts it's fully 45 minutes before we're at the factory yeah it's like it's like veruca salt's dad's business it's nuts (laughs) um and uh and so yeah fully gene gene wilder appears 45 minutes into the film which is halfway through uh, and and before that, yeah, it's a lot. I think that's why all those comedy sketches, comedy vignettes, rather, are so necessary because the rest of it is miserable fucking Charlie loping around <laughs> trying to get like. Every, there's like three scenes where he's like, "But this one will really be the ticket." Oh, it's not. It's and not. Then, like, I'm poor. Yeah. That's ticket edging. <laughs> ticket edging, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I do enjoy meeting all the kids. Uh, I love, we get this opening song, which is school gets out and all the kids immediately run to the candy shop because of course they do, because this dude is just like giving away candy. Like how, how yeah. does your business yeah. work? He's like reaching into the peppermint jar and just throwing it out into the yeah. kids. And then also Charlie doesn't get to participate in that part. Like the song ends <laughs> yeah. and he's like looking, I'm like, you could have gone, you could have yeah. had the free candy. Yeah. Yeah. But now yeah. he has to go to his job. It was like yeah. an opium den in there. It was just <laughs> singing about how good opium is while giving it to everyone. Right. Just kids, instead of a long opium hose, it's just a kid holding a big piece of licorice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is Bill, the candy man. And, he has a uh, name? I never knew he had a name. His name is Bill. He, it was, it was, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. wanted this part, and they thought it would be distracting. They didn't give it to him, and he said, fuck you, then I'll just make a big hit out of this song, and he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and again, this is another guy who's British, and I don't understand why. Right. But here he is. He's British. He he runs the shop. It's a great set design, honestly. It's got, like, the ladder that goes, you know, across the big shelves and all the big different colored candies. And Love that. Big rows of dots. Aren't those dots fascinating? The paper dots? He just, yeah. Like, oh, he just yeah, has, like, a big thing of paper. wax paper with, like, dots on them. I thought it was acid. I, I, what, what, <laughs> kind of, what kind of candy is that? It might be. That would explain a lot of the later half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> It takes a while to kick in. Yeah. So um, he sings okay. the Candyman. Yeah. And then I'm from... the Candyman. I love the Candyman <laughs> can. It's just so like there is something very creepy about this actor. 
and like how I don't there's not I, I think that it says more about me and more about society that we live in now that like that's where I go to but also he's very creepy man giving out free candy to strange children they had so. to start somewhere there was a first yeah. candy man who, who ruined the brand <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, let's but, trace the line from this Candyman to like the horror movie Candyman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but also like again, he is not. He is very much warbling. Like there is no. Yeah. Oh, for like, sure. Beautiful notes hit in this song, even though it's like a beautifully composed song. And then Charlie's gonna go to his job. Yeah. So from here, Charlie goes to his paper route and walks by the Wonka factory, and we see it like closed down and ominous. And we get another great cameo from a tinker. <laughs> yeah what is a tinker I had, I had to look this word up it's a person who travels around with metal tools like fixing things mm. and this guy looks like um if peter o'toole like wanted to murder you in munich that's <laughs> that's what this guy is oh obviously i haven't told you what happened between me and peter o'toole in germany because that's a that hit a little too close to home <laughs> um seems like peter o'toole would be a good name for his tinkering business yeah. <laughs> That's really true. Um, okay, so other things that happen early are um, we we meet the grandparents who are like have been in this bed for twenty years, including not ever stepping foot on the ground, which I guess means they're using bedpans. Oh yeah, that poor woman taking care of them. Charlie's mom. Um, they're so poor that a loaf of bread looks like a banquet. Really... Yeah, because Charlie used his his only money that he made for uh, delivering papers uh, to buy them a loaf of bread. Yeah, because he's Very, such he's a, good a sweet kid. boy. Sweet, sweet boy can't boy. act worth a lick, but he's a sweet boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also meet the teacher that we've sort of talked about, who is again this like classic rolled doll character of like an adult who speaks in like indecipherable circles, and like like he does a chemistry experiment that's just like blow up a bowl. <laughs> or like but talks about percentages and he's just like and then 10% is 10% and then 150 is 15% and we can't think about two like what yeah it's, it's half just again 10% half again is 15% but yeah we're gonna just sort of dance around well we're gonna learn about the, the golden ticket everyone everyone knows about the golden tickets everyone knows about the golden ticket and we meet all of our new friends yeah we're gonna meet who's first Augustus Augustus is first um yeah. They, the, the only notable thing I wrote down about this is when I think it's his dad eats the microphone <laughs> of the reporter. He does. He, um, the reporter holds up a microphone to him and he has a big windscreen like yours, Blender. And he just, he takes a big, big bite of the microphone, bites the windscreen off. For, for some reason, there's no, all the fat jokes in this movie are like just the right level of fat shamey for me. Like, I don't, I don't think any of them age, age poorly. You know what I mean? Right. They still work for me. Maybe in five years, no, but still. <laughs> um, we meet Veruca Salt, who is a shitty mm. little girl, and she's she's my favorite. I, she's so good in this movie. She this actress is like the doing the best work. Um, and we all, Steph and I, you and I also listened to some uh, Veruca Salt yesterday. The alternative rock band from the net. Oh yeah, yeah. I highly recommend sure. that Spotify station. Yeah. Um, good stuff. She, what I love here is that she, like, her dad owns a nut factory and he has all of his nut girls instead shelling uh, Wonka bars. No, no, nut girls you definitely can't say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird that they were accredited that way. 
Thanks. Get to work, <laughs> nut girls. Um, and what she's he's he's like, we already have him going all day, and she says, make him work nights. I just love it. She's just like ruthless from the get go. Well, and then the dad goes and yells out. Uh, he he yells, the person who finds it will get a one pound bonus in their check, and that just sends these people into a frenzy. That's how poor Britain is at the time. Um, also, so this guy who plays her dad, Mister Salt, he's he's incredible in the whole movie. He's so funny, um, and he he's also in the Beatles Help. He's very funny in Be- in the Beatles movie Help. And I kept looking at his face, and Steph was even looking at his face, like, where do I know that face from? And when I saw his name was Roy Kinnear, it hit me that he is the father of Rory Kinnear, uh, who is the British actor who's like in all the current James Bond movies. Speaking of James Bond, uh, he plays, he's like uh, M's assistant in all the James Bond movies. Um, and he's in a number of other movies. But anyways, if you look him up, you'll find that he looks exactly like they have the Mr. Same Salt. Face. Yeah, they have the wow. same face. He's, More he's Nepo the, babies uh, in Hollywood. Truly. truly he's, 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 he's the prime minister that has to fuck a pig in the first episode of Black I was Mirror. just going to ask if oh, that was oh, him. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, I always so felt so bad for that guy. I know. And the, and I'm like, how help. dare you look at him dirty? He saved <laughs> right? you. Right? <laughs> and now you, you're disgusted you. by the sight of him. So Unfair. That, that if you saw somebody doing it to completion, you'd probably have a different <laughs> view on it. If he did it for, for my nation... For freedom, yeah, I'm for sleep the, with him should, that night. We should tell the listener that Blender is, is not a joke. Wearing a red, white, and blue fencing mask right now <laughs> <laughs> with stars and stripes on it. So he's Checks very out. patriotic about this concept. Yep. <laughs> um. So then, who, who's next? Okay. Uh, so then we Violet meet Violet Beauregard. Beauregard. What a um. She. They're from Montana, and her dad is like a. I don't think they ever say explicitly that he's like a used car salesman, but like he is. Um, and <laughs> yeah. my favorite moment here is when her mom tries to say something, and Violet goes, "Cool it, mother." <laughs> she later tells the dad, "She goes, can it, dad? It's my show." <laughs> <laughs> um, All the is... kids are so wild. Yeah. I know they're too wild. Um, this is also like right where we get cheer up Charlie. Does anyone need to say anything about cheer up Charlie? Right. It is technically a song we should talk about. I'm it. good. And that soup that she's making looks disgusting. I think it's, oh. I think it's laundry. I think she's cooking oh, whatever. laundry. <laughs> well, it looks disgusting. <laughs> oh God, that's the dumbest thing to say with somebody doing laundry. Hey, it's gross. Hey, that's soup. Gross. By the way, that soup looks disgusting. There's clothes in there. <laughs> what are these <Okay>. bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so from there, our fourth ticket winner is Mike TV, who uh, is not allowed to get a rifle until he's twelve, son. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite thing that I learned about this is that in the early draft of the book, there were nine kids instead of five, and Mike TV's name was Herpes Trout. <laughs> wow oh herpes trout herpes trout steph God. you kept that information you, you asked me before the podcast you said do you know what mike tv's original name was and i said no you said i'm gonna save it and it was worth it 
God. Herpes so trout. Herpes wow. trout. It's crazy that when you think of like Pixar movies, like kind of also being for adults, like this was what adult humor and children stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like the kids won't catch this, but the adults will go insane. <laughs> and the weird thing is, six years later, that was almost Emerald Akbar's name in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and right, his and mom, then... his mom's very funny too. And he uh, he has a, a little toy gun at all times that he is he will wield when he feels like he's in danger. Like on the Wondrous Boat Ride, he takes out a gun and points it at the screen. <laughs> little TV. What, a, what an idiot. What an idiot. It's caps. Or it's not. It's a real. Oh, yeah. Not till he's 12. That's right. Not until he's 12. It is covered that the gun is fake so that we don't think it's a Chekhov's gun situation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there is a lot of murder in this movie, so. Shot to murder. It's not murder. He tries to stop every single one of them. No, stop. No, don't don't stop. Police. Murder. (laughs) That take never gets old for me. That's pretty funny. I know. That's my favorite part about Gene Wilder's uh, Wonka is that, like, this. detached like wackiness mm-hmm. just he's just like dude i don't he's like this is like disneyland i have my own cops there's no cops here no one's coming <laughs> i will uh, say i love that you guys are giving me these kids names i have no idea who these people are i only know them by their method of disappearance oh that's funny okay <laughs> that makes sense. see i have all these names burned into me like yeah violet is the gum girl yeah. veruca is the spoil girl who's the bad egg mm-hmm. mike tv nice. of course goes on the tv yeah uh and Augustus Gloop goes into that um shoots into that little thick little pipe. <laughs> uh, chocolate pipe boy. Chocolate pipe boy. Thick little <laughs> chocolate pipe boy. Yeah. Pipe boys and nut girls. <laughs> as far as the eye can see. Yeah, we're naming all my porn categories. <laughs> nut girls, chocolate pipe boys. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Disgusting. I usually type bad eggs in there. Oof. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yikes. She was a bad wanna egg. That. Don't want to see yeah. it. I do that, too, because I don't want to see him get pregnant. <laughs> What's happening? I don't know. We got to go. We, we got to talk more about this movie. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to I Got a Golden Ticket. Uh, oh, yeah, he's not even he's there okay. yet. So, okay, so Charlie is like, they, someone, there's like a news report with just the thickest Paraguayan accent you've ever heard in your life, uh, (laughs) about a guy in Paraguay who got the last one, and so Charlie's all sad, the teacher is back, he refers to it as the recent unpleasantness, (laughs) And really quick, did you guys know that they did the news in Paraguay in English with a Paraguayan accent? (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's some sick The world is watching. Yeah. Um, and then he is like, Charlie's like dejectedly walking home, um, finds some money in the street. He first buys a scrum diddly umptious bar. Mm. Which to uh, me, I want to say, to me, always looked like the best candy in the movie. I always wanted to eat the scrum diddly umptious bar. I think that that's some like advertising shit. Like we don't even see, we just see Charlie eating it. Like we don't even see what it is. Shoves it down his gullet. He's so depressed. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Learning about depression eating. Um, and then he buys another one for his grandpa Joe never for grandpa George never for Mm. either grandma only grandpa Mm. Joe gets chocolate yeah Um, and then it turns out that the fifth one was a fake and then Charlie gets a ticket and I have a golden ticket and grandpa Joe can walk after all these he runs home for about five minutes Uh, he gets stopped (laughs) by Slugworth now Slugworth is in the ear of all these kids trying to get him to give him we we learn later he wants the everlasting gobstopper so that he can copy it. 
Yeah, it's nefarious. Yeah. It's an important um, plot element. I was noticing how he shows up, like, when all the kids get their ticket. He's, like, you know, there in some way. Like, he's uh, Forrest Gump. Um, and it made me kind of... It, it did make me, like, develop this theory that he was planting the tickets. And, like, yeah. that, 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 like, Wonka is somehow, like, a, a more omnipowerful godlike figure choosing who he... I think there's something to be said, yeah, for God Waka. I think there's something to be said for the God Waka theory. Like, like I think that I, I also think that maybe the Paraguayan thing was leaked by Wonka to like get everything to cool down a little bit so that he mm. could put the put it where he wants. I also think Bill, the Candyman, is in on it too because when Charlie comes back for that Wonka bar, Bill reaches to one. Oh, that's he like, picks that one. Yeah, yeah, it's like set aside and it is like yeah. in front, separate from all the ones that are stacked. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think it's I kind of think it's all sort of I think Waka is God <laughs> and he played all of it. That's way it. more embarrassing to be famous that famous that Wonka this chocolate industrialist knows you for being super poor and he's like oh, <laughs> get that cabbage eating motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're gonna oh oh so then okay so then a, a much discussed scene but we got to talk about it is uh, Charlie comes home with the golden ticket, shows it to, to his grandparents and his mom, and tells Grandpa Joe, boy, I'd really love it if you could come with me. And Grandpa and... Joe says, I've been shitting in this bed for 20 years, <laughs> but now that you mention it, why don't I just stand up? Yeah. And He's I don't been... want to lose, what I do want to talk about how he has been making his daughter clean his shit for the last 20 years, <laughs> and now he's dancing. But I also don't want to lose what an amazing physical comedy performance. Oh, I mean, it's great. Like, truly, that's like part of the whole frustrating thing is I'm just like, this is this is delightful. I do believe that he's learning how to walk. This is Jack Albert, the great Jack Albertson. Chris, I know you had thoughts on this scene, too. Oh, God, I love it. I mean, it's first of all, everybody's got a name that like suits their, you know, like glue. Uh He's, he's shaped like a gloop. That's why they call him gloop. Uh, <laughs> Mike TV, obviously, he likes I think TV. I get it. And I think the buckets are called the buckets because of all the shitting and buckets that the old people in their <gasps> wow. house do. Wow. The, yeah, there's always a bucket. She was making that laundry soup in a bucket. Mm-hmm. Now, Steph, Steph said that... Um, she learned that there were originally nine characters and that Charlie's name was originally Diarrhea Jones. So you might be on to something. <laughs> <laughs> might just be on to something. I um, knew it was going to be you, Diarrhea Jones. <laughs> I hoped it would be. That's crazy. I actually read that Charlie's mom was supposed to be a nut girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy. I, that that explains, you know, she came from a hard pass of being a nut girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, 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 she... that song does like have a weird kick line undertone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but so basically, that's we're we're gonna get right into. Uh, oh, I, I just love I love the song "Golden Ticket." Again, it's warbled by Jack Warden. Um, and it's like, or sorry, Jack Albertson. That's Jack Warden is the guy who's in Problem Child. Jack Albertson is this guy. Uh, and it's just sort of warbled. I, I love, I t- for some reason, I love the line. I never thought that I would be over the moon in ecstasy, but nevertheless, it's there that I'm shortly about to be. Like, that's just like, there's something about the way that all those syllables fit together perfectly. Everything's stressed in the right place. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's a beautifully written song. I, I, I really just want to say that. It is also I'm realizing a good song and the Candyman is too that like they're great songs to lift out of this movie and just like yeah. be about whatever. Yeah, 
Exactly. And these, yeah, a lot of these songs have been. I feel like Pure Imagination is in a commercial right now. And I don't <laughs> remember what it's for. <laughs> oh, I think you're totally right. Yeah. I can picture those dumb chords. They're not dumb. They're uh-huh. very haunting and lovely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, this is the point that we are finally at the factory. Like, yeah, we did these it. Shots feel so, these shots must have been a pain in the ass because there are, there's literally about 100 people minimum. And there's mm. like these big shots with the full crowd um it, it must have been like quite the undertaking to shoot all this stuff um uh, they are the crowd is waving three flags they are american british and german and it's like that's it that's what this this multicultural crowd is supposed to, to be yeah. great <laughs> um yeah and so then they're just gonna all hang out until uh again more more like great character stuff from the kids but basically we're just here for for walk out a walk out yeah and a little flip um uh, I love yeah, I mean we've talked about this flip. It's great. It's it like what an entrance of a character. You just immediately know what this guy is about. I was- I know it's coming and still when I watched it at this time, it's incredible how late he tucks for the flip. Like it, <laughs> you, you really even though you know it's coming, you still think he's not gonna hit it and he still hits it. <laughs> it's also crazy just like what did they originally have planned for this scene? I guess he would just come out and be like, "Hi, everybody! I'm Willy Wonka. Welcome to the factory." Nah, this, yeah, is like, this is way better. This is missing That's something. Pretty much what uh-huh. happened in the book. Yeah, oh, really? yeah. There was no fanfare. Um, There's no trickery. It was just like, "Oh, there he is. He's got a goatee." Boy, <laughs> and speaking of trickery, and speaking of floods, fire, and frippery, um, we are going to go right into the uh, uh, factory, and the first thing that they are going to have to do is sign their fucking life on the line. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> I mean, this is wild. This is the original terms of service, you know. <laughs> um, Mister, uh, one the the Beauregard. Like, the businessy guy. Yeah, he he like says something. He's like, "Don't tell me about contracts. I use contracts like <laughs> as if it's like this scary word. Like as if I don't, I, I don't know. It's wild. also it's just so funny because you think he you know if he were a lawyer he'd say he'd be like I make contracts, but instead he's just like, "Don't tell me about contracts. I use contracts." And like, yeah, everybody does. Um, but then he's yeah he's like they're for suckers. But then, okay, but we do also get our first little um, fun charming moment, which is that all of the um, coat hangers are hands and they grab all their stuff. And then he says, as soon as your outer vestments are in hand, <laughs> it is literally uh, like five carpenters who worked on the movie with their hands spray painted gold are the coat hangers, and I it's a it's a great effect. It's very cool. Love it. Um, but yeah, this is this is the beginning of Villa, Villain Wonka to me. He he immediately pressures the children uh-huh. into signing this contract, tells uh-huh. them not to worry about reading it, tells them they won't get to go into the candy factory despite all this bullshit they went through uh, and all the fanfare if they don't sign on this contract. Uh, and and essentially, like, and I'm trying to like now that we know the whole movie, I'm trying to think like what was the contract? And it's probably just a hold harmless, right? For like yeah. all the physical pain that he's about to put them through. Yeah, and also sure. I'm sure like not they talk a lot about like chocolate spies, which apparently is a real thing. I didn't know that until I was researching, but like that was like the basis. That was like a real life basis that Roald Dahl was pulling from, oh. which is very funny. Chocolate spies, chocolate spies. He just had him sign an NDA, the, the, yeah. pretty much, and like it, pro- it probably the only thing it said was just like don't say shit about this gobstopper, you know? <laughs> right. right. 
And then the whole movie is just a test to see if a, a kid can actually uh, read a contract that he signed and see if he honors the contract. Right, right. <laughs> I know I'm like getting ahead of the thing, but uh, I do think in the the new coming Wonka movie, they do touch on like the chocolate syndicate, as I, as I really? think that's what I saw in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Hell yes. And the chocolate spies apparently go with that. I was not psyched about the new Wonka until I found out that it's being directed by the director of Paddington and Paddington 2. Same. Okay, because I was watching it, and when they said that part, I was like, okay, hang on. Maybe right, I need I'm, to do this I'm back on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's going to be cute and innocent. I can trust the Paddington director with that biz. It's right. not It's not a dark Wonka movie. I don't want to see a dark, a dark Wonka, Wonka reboot. I'm not a Timothy Chalamet hater, but I don't. I didn't like what I saw, but I, I could be wrong. Well, so Wonka's going to do this. He's going to do some sort of classic Wonka uh, frippery, um, which, by the way, I, I looked up frippery because it's in that contract. It says, like, <laughs> fires, floods, and frippery. And it's showy or unnecessary ornament in architecture, dress, or language. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm frippery. using that. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so he's going to do some stuff. Oh, we're in this room. We can't find the door. Oh, here it is. That's the door we came out of. Nope, it's a different room. Uh, oh, now we're in a different room, and oh, that door is too small. Nope, it's just a door. Just a door. Everyone uh, knows the bits we're talking about. <laughs> right? Yeah, you've you've seen the movie. Yeah. Um, but this is where we get pure imagination, um, and like those little those little bells that like score this just like sweeping. They've built a big soundstage set that is like a big edible soundstage. Yeah. Um, and I want, I want Gene Wilder does this like little dance down the steps as he's letting them in. And it's this like little taunting, like, here we go. Oh, no, uh-uh, not yet. Okay. Now we're going to dance a little more. Now we're going to go a little bit back. It's, um, the it's very charming. Veruca Salt Girl and the Mike TV guy both said that they were hit several times by the cane <laughs> during oh, no. Gene Wilder's no. choreography. Um, also a joke that I love. And I, I would not have known this, that, that I was told this um, by IMDb Trivia. Um, but he, he does the musical lock to get into the the um, room, the chocolate room. Mm-hmm. And um, after he does it, Miss TV turns to Mr. Salt and goes, Rachmaninoff. And he gives her this <laughs> look like, okay. And uh, the part of the joke that I love is that it is not Rachmaninoff. It is The Marriage of Figaro by Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> That is a pretty uh, good but thing. Roy Kinnear does these as Mr. Salt does these incredible little reaction takes throughout the whole movie that I advise you to look for if you're rewatching this. Um, I, I I love this scene. I think this is probably one of like some of the greatest some of the greatest scenes in in, in movie history. Mm-hmm. Set design paired with this song, love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the song, the set design, the costumes, like all of it. There's not a thing that's not like everything they pick up. The the whipped yeah. cream that they're like picking. The one thing that doesn't look appetizing to me is when Veruca busts open that big melon and then reaches in and gets all the jelly and just starts yeah, eating with her hands. Yeah, that was like, okay, uh-huh. okay you ruffian. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need, who just wants a bunch of jelly? There's candy all around. Yeah. There's a five-foot-tall gummy bear over there. What are you doing? Uh, Apparently, a that... lot of it really was edible, too. Like, the gummy mm. bears were one of the only things that weren't, uh, except for the mm. ears. They had edible ears so that uh, Violet could pick it up and sort of gnaw on the ears oh, a little cool. bit. Hmm. I love that cup that he drinks out of and then, like, takes a chomp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The buttercup. It's clearly uh, wax, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But, like, just such a great image that he does at the very end of the song. Takes his time with it. 
I mean, also, um, we just got, I mean, Gene Wilder, again, he's someone who, like, I mean, just, he's got that magic in his eyes. Every, every second he's on, on, like, he, I just, I'm so fascinated by him every frame that he's in. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. always doing something mm-hmm. incredible or warm or, like, you're just like, oh, you have a secret. You know what I mean? That's oh, yeah. the thing. I don't really see him as a, as a, like, yes, I see the joke of he's a villain, but it doesn't feel like that when I experience it. It feels more like secrets and mystery. And if you're a little kid, you're seeing him and he's like, this guy represents adventure and danger. You know, like, he's not... He's, you know what I mean? Like he's not. Yeah. Uh, he's like the type of villain. You. He's a he's a villain who is not going to hurt you because he wants to hurt you. It's just gonna be like he was like, oh, I have this glass elevator. What if we ride it? And like, there's no one around to be like, hey, sometimes glass elevators explode, and then that like is really bad for the people who are in them. But like, Willy Wonka's not concerned with that part. That's not what yeah. he's yeah. about. So the, this is going to basically end with Augustus going right for that chocolate river uh, and trying to drink right out of it. And Wonka, this yeah, is the maybe. one thing. And, you know, he could have said something when they walked into the room like, hey, by the way, there's this giant river. Don't touch it. Right. Uh, but instead, he just waits for he Augustus to start drinking it. Boundaries. And then he starts freaking out. Even when even when Augustus falls into the river, Wonka's just like, no, he's contaminating my chocolate. And it's just like, hey, man, there's a kid drowning in your factory right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and importantly, finally... We meet the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> That's your sticking point? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're finally going to pop out. They're finally around. Um. Because I think I think it's just interesting that the Oompa Loompas are so tied to the children dying. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what gets them singing. Yeah. yeah. That like that's the thing that's finally like they they like take their form of Greek chorus and like talk to <laughs> yeah. us the audience directly. Yeah, they don't about say the shit moral. unless a kid does, yeah, and then they're like, Harbingers "I feel like death. singing." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they I, I don't I do want to talk about I want to break down the Olympus if we can, but I, I just like I, I just want to mention that there's a um there's a wrestler that used to wrestle in the '90s that that like is a commentator now. His name's Taz. <laughs> and he's he's five feet tall and he wears all this spray tan so he's very orange and uh there's a, a show on youtube that just collects all the wrestling fuck-ups from the week and puts them in one video called right. botchamania and every time they they showcase taz they always use a clip of an oompa loompa walking out in this scene to taz's music <laughs> with jim ross going it's taz <laughs> uh <laughs> But there was... that that's just for me, but it's something that delights me so much. Okay, wait, it's not though, because um there are so many moments in this movie that have been memed so thoroughly that like when we get there, the one um the like condescending, condescending Wonka. Wonka, which is not mm. it's coming up a little bit later, but like has its own Wikipedia page. Yeah. What? It like it yeah. it fully like took me out of it and I was like, Oh, that just like means something else to me now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess this is going to get sent off. He's going to get stuck in the pipe, but the pressure will build up and send him off to the, uh, what? Incinerator? Um, he, boiler, I think. Because mm. I, I can picture Mrs. Glute being like, you'll boil him, I know! Oh, and then he goes, no, that doesn't go to the boiling room. That goes to the incinerator. Oh, uh, yeah, so there says? you go. There you go. Um, but anyway, so the Oompa Loompas, they're going to sing a song about being fat. <laughs> Which I think is so, like, just fucked up and manipulative it's like hey here's this candy room where you can eat everything go nuts no guilt just eat whatever right. you want right. and then as soon as the kid dies they're like oh it's a fat fuck Ooh, it was your own moral failing <laughs> <laughs> 
so where and so next they're gonna go right to the boat ride right yeah so now so so also right it goes from the emotional turns of like the last five minutes have been <laughs> pure imagination absolute magic child dies <laughs> and now we're gonna get on this boat and this uh-huh. boat we're is going to go <laughs> it's the song i learned is called wondrous boat ride yeah and I mean, like, I if you we all know this is it's it's like the nightmare tunnel. Um, no way of knowing. Uh, and then my my fa- again, I've I've talked about him throughout this whole thing, but Mister Salt, when he gets to like the third line, Wonka does. He says, "Which way the river's going?" And Mister Salt just goes, "Going," just to himself. <laughs> just a little reaction of like, like "Oh, this guy's losing," because they didn't tell they didn't tell any of the actors that Gene Wilder was going to start singing in that scene. And so when they're doing all those terrified looks at him screaming, that's real. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a number of times in this movie where they did not tell actors things, and that's that's one of them. Interesting. Um, that would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were yeah. you guys, I mean, like, we've talked about having seen this movie since you were kids. Like, were you scared of this scene when you were kids? Uh, no. Yeah, I was, but in a fun way. <laughs> no. I was, but I'm, but, but I'm still cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd seen Pet Cemetery before I'd seen this, so I'd already yeah. been, uh, I'd already been hardened, I guess. But, yeah, but it was. Freaky. I wasn't. I wasn't afraid because I appreciate uh, the manufacturing world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you fucking white collar bastards over here. <laughs> That's all. The opening credits of this movie is basically unwrapped. So you must have loved that. <laughs> yeah. Get Mark Mark Summers on the horn. Truly, a generation uh, of YouTube watchers was born. But so they're going to go into the sort of invention room, which he's going to introduce in German room. for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah, he introduced the boat ride in French. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. The inventing um, room. He throws in. I mean, it's just like a bunch of little. It's just like a bunch jokes. of stuff everywhere. Little little yeah. mini jokes. Gives he throws in shoes because it gives it a little kick. Mm-hmm. He puts it on a. Uh, a a jacket in it because it's too hot or something. They're the opposite. Oh, too it's cold. Too cold. It's much mm. too cold. So he puts a jacket in it. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, but then we're all leading to the uh, first of all the everlasting gobstopper. So like all the kids get to get a gobstopper and they figure uh-huh. out what the thing is and it's this weird shape that Andy doesn't want to eat. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then also right but, after this we're gonna get the, the uh, gum. The gum. Which is one of the most fascinating machines in the movie. I love the way that you can see, like, the tomatoes getting smashed. And, like, it just gives you this feeling that, like, all that stuff is actually in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're really It's kind of a gross line. But, yeah, but the way that she says, warm tomato soup, I can actually feel it running down my throat. Oh, no. It's, like, it's, it's gross syntax, but, like, it does put you there. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I do remember being amazed by her palate. I was like, wow, you know what? She's not supposed to be doing this, <laughs> yeah. but she's, she's really getting all the notes. She's, like, she's yeah, really appreciating. Has, it's a roast pork with two, no, three cloves of garlic. <laughs> <laughs> the bouquet is so fresh. I don't know. I don't know, Wonker. She's kind of killing it right now. It's quite, quite a mommy. <laughs> An umami savory taste. All right. uh, um, there's great practical effects at the end of this bit when she finally like blows up into a blueberry. Yeah. I love the like look of her little like outfit that she's wearing, like yeah. blowing up and like her belt pops. And it's she just... like I think it's almost like I don't know if they use lighting or if they color corrected the film, but like they definitely are doing 
some non there it's not makeup they like have her turn blue practically yeah um yeah. and then and then event and then they cut and then her face is then she has makeup on but like yeah. the turn happens i think just with color correction i love that yeah I lo- oh, it's wow. like i love a werewolf transformation <laughs> yeah. scene this, this is a, uh, like before they figured out how to do it and like yeah. some guy's job is figuring out how to turn violet blue yeah. yeah, I it's wish it had been more werewolfy if she had been like, "Get away, <laughs> lock me up." She starts <laughs> spewing <laughs> juice. <laughs> um, oh. so this Oompa Loompa song, we get like it's you know our first reprise of the Oompa Loompa song, but this time it's like spooky and it's yeah. in a round, and I am just absolutely nuts about it. Mm-hmm. It also like it starts with these like haunted harpsichord <laughs> when <laughs> we're talking about having to squeeze her. Uh-huh. It's just it's great. I love this yeah, one. This they literally roll this girl to her death. <laughs> <laughs> well, they hopefully they're just going to squeeze the juice out of her, and it's like... Yeah, that's a survivable uh, procedure. <laughs> <laughs> like, out of what? What's it going to come out of, you know? Here's a question. If you if you if that happened to you, um, would you drink your own juice? If, if you got squeezed, would you, would you have a little sip? See what that tasted like? Thanks, brother. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I mean, look, look, I have, no I t- have I tasted my own? Yes, of course. Does that mean oh. I want to guzzle it down? I have I know. gotten high on my own supply? Yes. <laughs> I mean, this... we don't we don't scold ourselves for farting. So, I mean, really... <laughs> everyone loves the smell of their own. <laughs> I'm not juice. by myself like, oh, Chris. Their own juice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you'd have to. I'd be curious. I think I, think I, <laughs> I know be, you would. <laughs> I think I would be worried about like restarting the cycle. See, oh. I would, see, I think it's much more normal for to than if like Charlie was like, "Hey, Viola, let me get some of that juice." <laughs> <laughs> Just sneaks up no, a little straw. That murdered yeah. me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it, maybe now's a good time to mention that the actress who plays Violet and the actress who played Veruca were in a real life like. Um, fight for Charlie's the actor who played Charlie's affections throughout the entire movie. They no. both were crushing on him and were fighting over him the entire twelve movie. year old. Yeah. Wow! Damn, did they see his teeth? <laughs> <laughs> He's not even British, so there's no excuse. Damn. I know. He got that wavy hair though. That's true. He did have good hair. <laughs> that was some good hair. Um. Okay. So Violet. Gets rolled to her death and misses out on the lickable wallpaper. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who the, ever heard of a snozberry? Whoever heard of a snozberry? This I, does I, have I, another great Gene Wilder moment in response to whoever heard of a snozberry when he grabs her little face and just like, it's it's so aggressive. But then he very charmingly gently says, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. As if that just like resolves this moment. I love it. Mm-hmm. I want to shout out a friend of the show, Mike Degnan, who uh, used to have a stand-up bit about, um, and the premise is is whatever. It's it's basically like when they were they were talking like Christopher Walken might play Wonka in the in the one that, where Johnny Depp ended up playing him, um, and so he does an impression of Walken as Wonka, and the whole thing just works, and it works because first of all he starts with like. You know, the blueberries taste like blueberries. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. But then when he does, whoever heard of a schnozberry? He he cuts to the dark Christopher Walken where he goes, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. <laughs> and it just, it, it always worked. Shout out to Mike Degnan. I know he's listening. 
Hey, you know what's so weird is that your impression of him sounded like John Mulaney to me. <laughs> the which one? The the schnozberries taste like schnozberries. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I hear it. I hear it. And, 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 and adults rape each other. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> this is a classic John Mulaney punchline. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Oh. John Mulaney cease and desist. Ooh, it's gonna be hilarious. And uh, uh, an angel is a dead tot. And by the way, Mr. Mulaney, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. Love to have you on the show. Talk about any of those weird 50s um, musicals that you probably like. Yeah. (laughs) Your little little documentary now shit. Oh, Uh, yeah, that's right. We can, oh yeah, we can talk about uh, the the genuinely. One that that's based on. I'll talk with you about Stephen Sondheim. I'll talk with anyone yeah. about Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> We're almost talk out of Sondheim, Sondheim all day. We've been, we've been tearing through Sondheim. Um, okay, well, so now we get fizzy lifting drinks. Oh, Was gosh. it worth it? That's Every all scene. I have to ask. Every scene is just like another banger. Uh, yeah. yeah, the fizzy lifting drinks. It's it's hard. I was telling Steph when we watched this today. It's kind of hard almost to enjoy it because you know the stress that's going to come from it later. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> But also, like, they, I mean, so the Superman movie is not for another seven years, and you believe a man can fly <laughs> in, the, in this scene. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's incredible. Like, it really looks great. Yeah. There's one, when Charlie does those, like, he does a lot, like, flips around. I don't know if anyone's uh-huh. ever, like, seen the equipment that they, like, hook you to if you're flying on a stage. But, like, it is exactly the thing that they would, like, have you practice when they hook yeah. you up to that equipment you like practice Ooh. doing these flips it was just a very fun like oh i see how y'all did that <laughs> i mean i love how uh grandpa joe is just like uh we gotta get this kid to a factory he needs to see wonder he, he's excited by bread he all eats his cabbage <laughs> and then like they get there and he's like hey let's fuck around with these fizzy drinks right? <laughs> it's so reckless like it really yeah. is. it wasn't even charlie's fault no, yeah. Grandpa's a fucking potster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're, so they're gonna go right to here to the goose room, yes. and they're gonna like sort of sneak in, and like you see Walker sort of clock them, but he never lets on that he has noticed them missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and these geese. So I, the, I, I watched this movie a million times as a kid. Watched it in my twenties. Watching it this time was the first time I noticed these geese aren't real. That <laughs> mm. they're like giant Henson Company puppets, you know. Well, <laughs> the Henson Company's not really a thing yet, so not that. But they are giant puppets. They look good. They look good. I'm a little uh, confused about what the eggs are because it is confirmed that they are golden chocolate eggs. But it's also confirmed that if you drop one of them, you'll have an omelet fit for a king. Mm. So what's in there? What's the real story, <laughs> William Walker? <laughs> Chocolate I kind of can't think of... Like a Cadbury, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's like a chemical reaction. Oh. Um, but so anyway... Oh, wait, yeah, because case... I think Cadbury is one of the companies that's doing the chocolate spies. Uh, that makes oh. Okay. Have you ever had a scotch egg? Yeah. I, yes. I have not. Wow, I'm the only one. Wow, dude. <laughs> Uncultured. <laughs> Honestly, a little embarrassing. That's a decadent little treat. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I want to do one of those thousand year eggs. You ever you ever seen those? What's that? Yikes! It's like I just this, watched uh, uh, Ashley Park eat one on Joyride. In, in Joyride, yeah, yeah. Uh, go see Joyride in theaters. But yeah, they do thousand year. It's egg really shots. good. Joyride, it's rocks. super fun. It is, yeah, I'm um, sad not enough people are seeing it. What's the other comedy we just saw? That oh, Barbie. Barbie is great. 
Barbie rides. Um, but everyone's okay. gonna go see Barbie. See, see Jordan. Yeah. Go see Jordan. Barbie's um, another argument for design your sets. Don't just rely on CGI. True. It's cool. It's true. It's an incredible uh, looking movie. Every frame of that movie is beautiful. Yeah. Um. So uh, wait, where were we? Okay. So okay. Veruca, Veruca's gonna sing uh, a real banger. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. want it now. Yeah. Great song. Love the song. Great performance, uh, great like little tantrum she throws. Also, what's wants, a bean feast? I was gonna say, who wants to know what a bean feast is? <laughs> I've wanted to know for thirty years. Well, I thought that's right just now, something that hobos do. I know where they just t- they uh, get a knife and fork and cut a bean in half. Happy birthday! It's a bean feast. We split in the bean feast tonight. <laughs> we all brought our best beans. They're the same beans. <laughs> So a bean feast, also known as a beano in Britain, is an informal term for a celebratory meal or party. It's often uh, associated with a goose. They'll often mm-hmm. have a goose at a bean feast because there's a bean goose. Called, it's a migratory bird that arrives in the UK in autumn. And so it's this thing that would often happen on the first Friday of July, like in England, in olden mm-hmm. times, basically. It's an old-timey English feast with a goose and Man. so that's why she wants a bean feast right there these children have such adult desires <laughs> i want to morgan i want a goose <laughs> um what were you gonna say stuff or sorry chris what were you gonna say oh it's just it's funny to me how like Goose meat is like the ultimate celebration in old timey British stuff. Like in Christmas Carol, it's like, You there boy, give me a goose. It's what is this a goose kind of thing? I'll say this. As someone who has recently got into duck, it's fucking delicious. Really? See Duck I, is divine. I've been trying to find there there's a, a place uh right right by me in Steph's house that does a a duck dinner, a peking duck. And it's like, but you gotta have someone to split it with. Steph's a vegetarian. Yeah. So I'm uh, trying to find someone to go half with me on a duck. <laughs> Steph, just, you know what? Just, just come on. Just, just oh. eat the meat. Just oh, for one you, night. When you put it that way. Just let the supervillain talk you into eating meat. Yeah. Have a bean feast with your boy. <laughs> Wasn't that a 3-6 Mafia song? Let's, let's go half on a quack. Have on a quack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you leave, you leave your goose out, you best believe your goose going to get goosed up. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, but so now we're going to get it. So basically, she's going to die. She's dead. She's going to die. Gonna, she's she's yeah. a bad egg. This Oompa Loompa song is fun and syncopated, but like. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite Oompa Loompa song. I think just musically, it's just like yeah. makes the most sense to me. And then, oh, and this is the one where they have all the words pop up in the screen in the real like 70s fonts. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, love yeah. That. The mother and the father. Uh, and then they're going to get onto the Wonka Wash. <laughs> yeah, couldn't they have walked? It's a it's a um, it's a car powered by a uh, soda pop, and um, it shoots out foam all over the uh, the riders, Charlie and and Grandpa <laughs> Joe and Mike TV and Miss TV, who's all that's left at this point. By the way, there's only four chairs in Willie's chair on the walk of wash. Oh yeah, he knew. So mm. he probably knew the whole time that there were only going to be four people left at this point. Dang. Um, also, it shoots out like fire extinguisher and foam all over them like that's what it really is and um they didn't like they didn't kayfabe it at all it's like real foam and it has a very bad skin irritant in it and like it took like three days after that scene for like everyone to get back to normal for filming god the 70s damn Um, it's a bukkake this is 
The boot car key? Yeah. <laughs> Please edit that out. No, 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 no. I'm so sorry. Please keep it in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a a, a portable speaker and we're gonna put it on your gravestone, sir. <laughs> uh, now you talk me back into it. <laughs> Never mind, take it out. I don't want you to be happy. <laughs> My favorite part about this is that, Ch- is that uh, Grandpa Joe is like, so what are they? What are the Oompa Loompas putting into it? And Willie's like, oh, uh, he's like um, uh, a ginger ale, ginger soda, uh, uh, you know, double cola, double bubble cola. And then Grandpa goes, sorry, I asked. And I'm like, hey, bitch, you just stole his fucking fizzy lifting drink. You're lucky you're even still fucking here. How about you lose the attitude? Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, but so then they go through the Wonka wash and it magically cleans them all up on the other side of it. Uh, and they go, I'm gonna call it 10 feet. Mm-hmm. It's my, I like this as like a little interstitial that's like, why? What is this? I don't understand like what it's doing for the movie other than like someone had an idea and then they couldn't figure out how to put it in and then they mm. were like, well, let's put it here. Let's go here to here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of things I don't understand why they happen, let's talk about Mike TV's final scene. <laughs> Um, okay, so, so we're like fully mod now. This is the part where it's like, hey, remember how like people in the '60s were obsessed with the future? This is this uh-huh. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so Wonka's like, I got this great idea. We're gonna take a giant chocolate bar that probably cost me three thousand dollars to make, <laughs> and, we're, and we're gonna send it through TV waves and make it small so that people will pay a nickel for it. <laughs> um, and then Mike TV, of course, he says, I want to do it. And Wonka says, No, don't stop. And then uh, Mike TV transmits himself via TV and becomes a very cute little tiny boy in the TV. I do have to admit. <laughs> hey, look at me! There's some fun camera moments here where, like, we see from, like, the mom's face, but, like, from his little perspective, and she's all, like, blown up and distorted. I love that. Yeah. Um, um, and, yeah, that's, oh, there, so they take him to the taffy pulling room. That's right, because kids are still bigger. pretty elastic. So yeah, uh-huh. he's gonna take him to the taffy party. Um, and, and then the, the Oompa Loompa is this go ahead. <laughs> the Oompa Loompa is like worried and we just He whispers see something go, extra. And we see Willie say, No, 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 I won't hold you responsible. Just <laughs> <laughs> a great joke. The Oompa Loompa's like, Well, I don't wanna I don't wanna be responsible if this kid gets hurt. I don't know if this is gonna work, boss. This is gonna fuck this kid up, are you sure? And he's like, Yeah, I won't hold you responsible. He's like, Look, I've done a lot of dirt. This one, <laughs> this one bothers me. <laughs> Um, um, and that's the end of the tour. Like we like it, yeah. like spits him out in a hallway, and Wonka is just like, "Oh, um, the door's over there. I have to respond to this letter from the Queen." <laughs> that's and it. Uh, and the, and Grandpa Joe's like, "What? Something must be wrong." So he takes him into he takes Charlie into Wonka's office where everything is halved. Um, for, for no reason other than they didn't have a production design concept here, and they were like, well, something has to be weird. What if everything's cut in half? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, they were like, well, we can't do this whole factory, and then it ends in this normal office. So they cut <laughs> everything in half. Um, and uh, and Waka explains to him that he knows about the fizzy lifting drinks, that he blew it, that he, he, he lost. Good day, sir. Uh, to me, it is the original, I said good day. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um and uh Grandpa immediately is like fuck this guy Slugworth wins. <laughs> I'm getting Slugworth on the horn. Uh and That's but Charlie sense. says no. Charlie says I'm leaving I'm leaving the the gobstopper. I don't I I'm need leaving this for you so you know I'm not going to take it to Slugworth. And all of a sudden boy Willie's tune changes doesn't it stuff. Yeah, oh. he's all happy again. 
Yeah. Um, and we get that soft Wonka, and and Charlie <laughs> wins. Is it soft Wonka? That was a weird. I admit that that was a weird thing to say. <laughs> there's soft Wonka and there's horde Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, yeah, and so then they get in, t- I don't know why it has to be that they're in this elevator for the, um, reveal that he's giving Charlie the factory, but, but, like, he's like, ooh, I've got the, we wanted to reference the sequel book title, so here's an, here's a great glass elevator. Yeah, which is how, again, that is how the book ends, the book ends in the glass elevator, and, but again, the difference is in the book, he looks down and sees that everyone's okay, and that does not happen here. Um, and in the book they crash land into the bucket house like on the bed and it yeah. terrifies the old people <laughs> and he's like you're coming with me <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um that, and I, I do want to talk about this line so when he tells him he's given charlie he t- willie tells charlie he's given him the chocolate factory and he says i couldn't give it to a grown-up they'd want to do things their own way i want to give it to a kid who will do everything my way <laughs> And this is the definition I want of grooming. Someone to groom. Yeah, this yeah. is the definition of grooming. He's like, you're too dumb to know your own way to do it. So I want someone who's uh-huh, dumb uh-huh. who will go my way with it. Yeah. No, it's just wild that this is the. I mean, it's supposed to be the hero of the movie, and that he's like, I couldn't give it to an adult. I have to give it to a dumb child who I can control. I know. Isn't that objectively bad person? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or you, you just Chris? you just want him. You want Wonka to be like, uh, to you know, kind of make a reference to the goddamn pure imagination song just to say something about kids and how they can come up with cool stuff their mm-hmm, own. And mm-hmm. I just like for in my, it's like I've retrofitted it in my head to where I haven't, if I haven't seen this movie in a while, I'm like, that's what the speech that he gives him at the end. I, and every time I see the movie, I'm like, Oh, that line mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they could, they could have fixed it. I do really like the very last line of this movie, which is, um, don't forget what happened to the man who got everything he ever wanted. He lived happily ever after. It's <laughs> beautiful. Um, and that's the end. Uh, that is that's the end of this movie. That I'd, so I guess let me just ask: Do you guys feel like we missed anything? Anything from the movie that you guys want to talk about that we didn't hit? No, I think we we covered all the nasty stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I know we really did. <laughs> I'm trying to think if we covered all the candies and all the deaths. Wow. Um, well, I guess we're going to talk about. Um, and again, this is weird because this has been done, but we're going to talk about if we were going to remake this, what would we do? Because um, I, I think it could be done. I think it needs some new songs, maybe. So we got to get Lin-Manuel on the horn because <laughs> apparently he's the only person that can do that anymore. Um, but can could you guys see this being remade and like maybe fixed a little bit? Yeah, I'd love the um, Oompa Loompas to be less like slavey which was Uh very much like their original book concept was just like they're straight up slaves and then in this movie they were like okay that's a problem we'll take it like a little bit of an abstraction away from that and i would love to just like really just have a page one rewrite on the oompa oompas oh yeah um chris you were talking about uh how you you rewatched the remake for the first time in a while Mm -hmm. uh did you what do you think uh, it was a lot more faithful to the book. Uh, it was a the movie was well done and it had some funny, like just fun original stuff happen. But I just realized that my favorite thing about this movie is Gene Wilder. So mm. it's just I can't enjoy these other things because Johnny Depp's just like he's doing a fine job. I mean, like he's just like not he's weird but not likable weird. He's he like a weird warmth. alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
the, yeah, the warmth... he, he's doing like Michael Jackson almost. Yes, he is. Yeah. And like Gene Wilder just has that perfect combination of like warmth and detachment that I guess says something about my childhood and my upbringing. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, that's that's Wonka, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wouldn't. Um, the movie was fine, but it was just like he was unnerving, and Gene Wilder didn't unnerve me. I don't know. What do you think? Speaking of the Oompa Loompas, what do you think of the thing where Deep Roy plays all of them? That's fine, but I hated the songs. The songs are not great, yeah. Yeah, they were too clean. They were too, like, I don't know. I, I liked the fact that they had one person cloned to be all the Oompa Loompas, and he was mm-hmm. one. But I just hated those songs so much. It was just so fucking boring and shiny and polished. And Yeah. Um, well, who is there someone who, like, you guys would put, like, who has that warmth maybe and that, like, weirdness that you guys would put in as Wonka today? Hmm. Like, Chalamet to me is... Is not necessarily it because I've never felt like no. warmed by Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I would like to throw out Kate McKinnon. Ooh, okay. oh, okay. she'd be cool. Yeah, shit, perfect. Like weird and unpredict, like like her unpredictability is real in a way yeah. that Wonka's un- like like I believe that she would be like, oh yeah, sometimes the kid's gonna get murdered, but like that's the price yeah. you pay. Yeah, but also she- I believe that she wants to help you. Kate McKinnon uh, in, in Barbie is, uh, and it, usually people say this as, as a bad thing. I mean, as a good thing. She is in a different movie than everybody else in that movie. She is in a Wizard yeah. of Oz movie, and she is doing some real weird Wizard of Oz okay. shit, mm-hmm. and everyone else is in a Barbie <laughs> movie, uh, and it's very watchable. It's it like yeah. real, every time she's on screen, just like I've always said that when I saw her on a movie screen for the first time in Ghostbusters, I gasped out loud in the theater because of how like she's so incredibly magnetic on a movie screen, I feel like. Uh, and so I'm down for that. Yeah, I love her in Ghost. I love Go- that Ghostbusters movie. That's yeah. another Amen. one where I'm like, they didn't get enough credit. It didn't, and it's like her and Leslie Jones are they're so good in it. So fucking funny. I feel like Melissa McCarthy. It's like Melissa McCarthy's weakest turn, I think, because they took cursing away from her, and that's like her main thing. The, well, <laughs> yeah. and like they make her such a straight man of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's not what I need from her. But I love McKenna and I love Leslie Jones in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think The Heat with Melissa McCarthy is one of the greatest comedies yeah. of the last 20 years. Steph, um, you, you saying Kate McKinnon like opened up my eyes a bit and it made me think Maria Bamford would make a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> Just unhinged wackiness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Unhinged, See, I still would, warmth. Yeah. yeah. I would turn this into like a full on horror movie and I would get like. I think either Rami Malek or Donald Glover. Would I was just like gonna say room. Donald Glover. Yeah, they have like essentially what I'm looking for is someone with this like a really good smile who is also kind of unhinged. Yeah, I think, like mm-hmm. I think if you have those things, you can you can play a Willy Wonka kind of character. Yeah, it would be really fun to do like a horror movie that so, doesn't yeah. have like the like dark Wonka. Uh, like I'm not looking for like Zack Snyder's kind of horror movie, but like. No. But like you can have a bright tone and yeah. and also lean into all of the horrors that are just inherent to the story. I want mm-hmm. like Hansel and Gretel. What is it? Hansel and Gretel, like vampire hunters. Didn't they? Didn't they do that one? <laughs> oh movie? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want like them versus Willy Wonka. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I do think that horror would be like a really fun way to do this. Honestly, it would be like, great to have it like bright and colorful and the songs and yeah. everything, and then it's just mm. hard cuts, no music to kids and gears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's I like think... good, there's good meaty stuff to explore there too about like mm. kids' perspectives versus adults' perspectives, and like 
who is responsible for what i feel like there's that's the kind of stuff that like um what what are there's a word for contemporary horror that's like uh, uh, elevated elevated horror. elevated horror thank you yes yeah there's a lot of elevated horror to explore here yeah, yeah. I, I i think once this goes into public domain i think we'll get that horror movie probably <laughs> Oh yeah, we are. Yeah. So I like think the, like the key is you can't play it like you're making fun of it. You gotta like no, no appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. it and what the you actual really, horror aspects of the original are. We yeah. have to know. We have to see. We have to know that you really believe in your head that you're a warm person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everyone's the hero of their own story. Mm-hmm. Um, well, guys, here's the deal. This is normally in the podcast, and this is the this is the first time we've not had one. This is normally where I would um debut a new song that i've written for the musical i didn't do it this week as i explained up top i've had a lot going on lately and so i gave myself the break of not doing one this week i was gonna do a thing where um i just like improvised one i would like have you guys tell me problems and i was gonna improvise oopa loopa songs about them but we've run out of time let's just get to the end let's just cut right to the end and get out of here uh let's talk about if you guys have anything to plug coming up um i I will mention right off the bat too to check out our patreon uh patreon.com slash dumb fun it has all of the like 25 songs that I've written for this podcast up there, uh, as well as bonus material from 30 characters uh, are at my weird improv podcast and um, Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, the uh, fake 90s rewatch podcast that I did with uh, Steph uh, Weber, the different stuff. And um, check all that stuff out at patreon.com slash dumb fun and, and support us. We're coming up in our one year anniversary. Would love to get some Can more. Can you uh, believe <laughs> Here's my promise to you guys as listeners. If we get 100 subscribers, I will do a song on every episode of Musical the Movie, the podcast. So help us get there. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, Blender, you got anything coming up you want to promote? Um, uh, I have a YouTube channel where I review movies called Super Villain Talk Radio. Um, Hell yeah. It's, it's only 96 subscribers. So well, <laughs> we I will get you to a... We're cooking. That's more than our uh, Patreon. So. Yeah. And then uh, I do some music. I do music. It's on Spotify. Blender Blue it on Spotify. Uh, and then, yeah, I got a PowerPoint show called PowerPoint Live at Lincoln Lodge. Hit me up. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know about that. I love that for I've you. Seen, I've seen a Blender Blue PowerPoint, and it was very it's a delight. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, what about you? Uh, we have the Big Hell and Possum podcast available. We're all quality podcasts are found and Hal is a friend of the show the listener knows Hal Dottie from our sound and music episode and our music man episode he's he's a good feller uh and then we do a radio show every week um which is just that show plus music that we pick out it's really fun it's um if you go to lpm.org uh they have old streaming archive of all those that stand for Louisville Public Media Media Mm -hmm. yeah it's a WFPA WFPK like a it's an NPR subsidiary WFPK and Cincinnati. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and Steph, what about you? Um, I would like to plug this week um, saying your feelings out loud in front of trusted people. Mm. Because sometimes good things happen from that. Did you know that you can sure. be vulnerable and be rewarded in return? That's, real. That's my plug. Well, there it is. I like that. Um, you can catch me at the end of this week at our friend Roxanne's, uh, first birthday party. That's actually not what I meant to plug. I just thought I was looking next Saturday. <laughs> uh, next, well, I'll say, I'll say this next Sunday, uh, we're doing the roast of Barbie at the Laugh Factory. Uh, wow. I'll be playing Buzz Lightyear on that. And, uh, we're going to be doing all the toys roasting Barbie at the Laugh Factory next, uh, Sunday, August 5th at, or sorry, 6th at 7 PM at the Laugh Factory. 
Uh, and then uh, that week, also a big week in Memphis, we are doing the roast of Elvis at the High Tone in Memphis on Elvis Death Week. So like thousands of people come to Memphis for the week that Elvis died. They'd go to Graceland, going to hopefully try and get some of them to come to a roast show where I play Elvis. Uh, and uh, then we're doing a stand-up show the next night at Memphis Made Brewery. Uh, so come to that in Memphis next week. And um, I'm going to be at the Blackout Diaries at the end of the month at the Lincoln Lodge. And, um, you know, fi- follow me on Instagram. Let's just say Instagram. Andy Zaster. A-N-D-Y-Z-A-S-T-E-R. And thank you guys so much for listening. Tell people about the show. Rate, review, subscribe, all that bullshit. And uh, let me just say, Blender and Chris, thank you Y'all, guys so much for joining us today. What thank a delight. Thank you. Thanks for this having me. Such a delightful episode. Uh, and thank you guys for, you know, we, we rescheduled this a number of times as we talked about up top. Thank you guys for, glad we never lost you guys. Glad you guys were the, here, were the ones here to talk about this because this is this a is wild a movie and we needed yeah. two wild boy or at least one wild boy and one very good boy to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you are the schedule makers. Yeah. Yes, we are the schedule makers. We are the pa- casters of pods. <laughs> um. <laughs> Listener, uh, right now is when you'll hear me from the uh, future come in and tell you what our next episode is. Hey guys, it's me, Andy, from Still Your Past, but me from the episode's future. Uh, I just wanted to say that our next episode is going to be the week of my birthday, and so I get to pick the movie. And I'm picking something that, uh, frankly, has no regard for the musical listener, and that is Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. Uh, It's the dumbest movie I could think of to watch for my birthday, and so that's what we're going to do. Look for that on our next episode, and... uh, you guys ever think about this is something I forgot to say on the episode. Um, you guys ever think about how Raw Dog Raw Dog's name sounds like Raw Dog? <laughs> you know? Seems like we could have done a lot with that in the episode. Like you know, raw like raw like like chocolate like cho- like raw dog's chocolate factory, you know. <laughs> Giant peach. Yeah. Like a little raw dog that gi- anyway, uh <laughs> So just something to think about. We'll see you in a couple weeks with Tenacious D in Pick of Destiny. Wow, can you believe that? That's what we've been wanting to do for a long time. It's gonna be mm. so fun. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time on Musical the Movie the Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Musical the Movie the Podcast. Musical the Movie the Podcast. Musical the Movie the Podcast with Andy and Steph. Boom, dum.